I've listened to Sour by Olivia Rodrigo since it came out last year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is my Radiohead-hating co-host, Connor. Connor, say hello to the people. Hello, people, except Radiohead, because I hate you. (laughs) Good morning to everyone except Radiohead, because I hate you. Oh, no. I didn't think it was that bad. That's what you just accused me of. I just was basing off on what you said. Oh, well, thanks for making me right, I guess. (laughs) We've had a heck of a birthday week. Thank you all for a very fantastic week full of surprises and exciting things and uh now we're gonna keep going in year two yeah we have a store we have yeah in case you missed all of our announcements we have merch now official spin it merch available on our website through etsy we have uh, another blooper reel that went up this week we did a merch giveaway that closes on monday so if you hear this go seek out our socials at spin it pod on twitter at spin it pod official on instagram Follow the instructions and figure out how you can win free limited edition, literally one-of-a-kind Spin It merch. We released a hot chicken bonus video that we've been talking about since episode 18. It's been a long time coming. It's finally out. Finally. We did it. it. It's been done. And we had a live stream that we did, and it was exciting. Yes. That totally was successful. <laughs> when we're recording this episode, that hasn't happened yet. Because when you're listening to this episode, that will have happened the Thursday before this episode came out. Uh, the Mixtapers Twitter's doing well, so I hear. He claims to be up to like a million followers already. So, Well, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Store, I'm very excited about the store. I think that's my favorite piece. And you, and you know, for every item sold, two cents goes to help pay the Mixtapers student loans. Yeah, is that a deal that we made? Yeah, the, that, that's his that's his cut of the profits. Two cents from everything sold. Okay. He's a really bad negotiator. I'd say so. But anyway, that was our birthday. We're, we're rolling right on into year two with our second episode in the second year, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. And I'll be honest, I know you weren't a big fan fan of last week's i don't think this could be too too much farther away from last week i guess we'll see i guess we will (laughs) that doesn't mean that you'll like it the same amount but in in terms of just what it is it's very different for example unlike radiohead the old men now olivia rodrigo is 19 born in 2003 i think that makes her the youngest artist we've talked about to date she's from california and her dad is a filipino american and her mother is irish and german in terms of music She started playing guitar at age 12, (laughs) seven years ago, really. Sounds like it's been a long time because at age 12, but really hasn't been that long because she's 19. It's downright impressive. Way to explain that one out. I, I did. I really drove that home. Drove it home, parked it in the garage. Turned it off, got out, locked the door, walked into the mudroom, took off your shoes. Listen, what, what do you want from me? I got my driver's license last <laughs> week. <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. Too bad I wasn't around. <laughs> yeah. I was off with some blonde. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 yeah, what, what a shame. You were always so excited for me to get my driver's license. We're just riffing on driver's license. Well, driver's license was really the, the kickoff to her solo career. It came out in 2020. Huge hit. If you don't know driver's license... 
I don't know how you found this episode because <laughs> that's I, like I don't think I knew a single Olivia Rodrigo song before this album. You missed a big one then for for a long couple weeks in 2020. Everyone was talking about Driver's License. I, I maybe I've heard it on the radio or whatever, but but uh, probably not. I guess apparently. Well, so she puts on Driver's License, huge hit. She was big time inspired by artists like Pearl Jam, Green Day. And Taylor Swift, we've got a bit of a range here. And uh, yeah. also, I mean, in addition to this music career that's fairly recent, she's also an actress, another Disney kid. She did some commercials when she was a kid. She started, That's the only thing I know about her. Is that she was a Disney kid? She's on the high school musical, the musical, the series, which is the greatest name for a show ever. Is it? No, no, I, I have to disagree. And I have to call that one of the worst names for a show ever. I have no idea even what that show's about, but I love its title. It's a series about the musical based on high school musical, I, th- I think. That did nothing to clear it up. <laughs> well, if we unpack it, I just the East High students have got their head in the game. And now... So it's set in the world of high school musical? I think it is. Yes. Okay, because it easily could have been like a group of people doing high school musical, the musical. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I don't know. It's really poorly marketed, I, but we're talking about it, which I guess is what they want. No such thing as bad advertising. No. So she's in High School Musical, the musical, the series, and she had a prominent role in the variety show Bizarre Vark on Disney Channel as well. What is it with her being in things with weird names? I don't know. She was in an American Girl movie. That's a normal name. Is it? Maybe. Yes. Sure. Driver's License broke Spotify's record twice for the most daily streams ever for a non-holiday song, which sounds like a very specific record, but that's a lot of songs. 15.7 million streams in one day, and then the next day, it got 17 million streams. And then zero of them were me. That's true. You didn't contribute to that. I also didn't contribute in the first two days. But also, as far as Spotify records go, Driver's License was the very first song to hit 80 million streams within seven days. Interesting. Olivia Rodrigo is the youngest solo artist to top the UK singles and album charts simultaneously. And three of her singles were in the top five in just one week. She's the first artist ever to have their first three singles debut at the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. Is that not a wild fact? I mean, that's a big deal. I just want to emphasize what a big deal that is. Listen, we'll get to the wild facts in a little bit. I'm sure there are some, and I'm sure I will struggle, but that'll be great. So, like, she's put out one album, like a dozen songs, and she's won 51 different awards on 119 nominations on this dozen songs. That's astronomical. She cleaned up at this year's Grammys, by the way. Sour is another album that's in contention, or was in contention, for Album of the Year, with John Batiste's We Are and Lil Nas X's Montero. So we'll get to add another piece to our puzzle as we compare Grammy-nominated albums this year. This album got six other nominations, though. It was nominated for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Music Video, and more. And she won Best Pop Solo Performance, Best Pop Vocal Album, and Best New Artist. Pretty good. She won an American Music Award for New Artist of the Year, three Apple Music Awards, seven Billboard Music Awards, four iHeartRadio Music Awards, and she's got awards from Japan, Denmark, Spain, Switzerland, all around, everywhere. She was featured in Billboard's 21 Under 21, Forbes 30 Under 30, and Fortune's 40 Under 40, and she's actually been to the White House as a proponent of COVID vaccines way back in 2021. It's not really way back. 
this is 2022. But anyway, that's that's uh that's this that's the gist on Olivia Rodrigo's wild accomplishments in the last two years. This week we we've only got one album to talk about. It's Sour, as you might have guessed. Came out in 2021. It's it's a pop album, but it's definitely got a bit of a punk edge, especially lyrically. And on some of these tracks, that really shines through. On this album specifically, she cites Taylor Swift, of course, Alanis Morissette and Casey Musgraves as major influences. I think some of those are more obvious than others, but I think that's a great set of influences. That's crazy, because when I was listening to this, I got strong Casey Musgrave vibes. Interesting. I'm sure we'll hear more about that in a bit. So, Sour was initially just going to be an EP, but after Driver's License, it blew up. It just took off. So they really wanted to ride that wave of success, and they said, let's make it a full album. She said that she calls it Sour because it's meant to evoke all the emotions that people experience universally, but young people get criticized for. Things like jealousy and anger, stuff that adults feel and deal with, but also like to gatekeep. You know, like you're young, you shouldn't be upset or angry or sad. Like, it's about that. And she also talks about growing up and how all the awesome things in her life were, quote unquote, progressively going sour over time. It's a nice title. The album had a couple singles, Driver's License, Deja Vu, Good For You, Traitor, and Brutal, we're leading the charge. Honestly, good picks for singles. Out of this group of tracks here, I think that's the strongest five. And Rolling Stone and Billboard actually called Sour the best album of 2021. That's a, that's a pretty impressive title to, to have. Yeah. But with that, I think it's time to hear some of these very interesting facts about Olivia Rodrigo. Is it time? I wouldn't be surprised if none of them were facts. But yes, it's time. It's me, the mixtaper. Hello, mixtaper. Your season three champion. Oh, that's a thing we're sticking with, is it? Season three was two episodes. I don't think that counts. It counts. We're now in season, we're in year two, season four, round one of Factor Spin. And really, it's match one, round one, right? Because it's our first, each episode would be like a match, and then each fact would be a round within that match i don't know sure whatever game set match it's love all let's get started that's tennis for zero to zero by the way oh i thought you oh oh i thought you said live all i didn't because my first fact for you is that livia rodrigo bought a very expensive dog house for her dog live wow what a what a stretch well how far the lengths you'll go with which to shoehorn in a fact so how expensive of a doghouse are we talking? Like multiple stories, several rooms, maybe an indoor pool. I don't know how much the actual doghouse went for. Went for? You say went for like some realtor was like, come on, open house, we'll have the bidding, <laughs> put it in an offer, we'll close. But I do have the total for how much she spent on her three different pet enclosures, including her bird, dog, and snake. Bird, oh, awesome. Another animal fact. How much has she spent on animal enclosures overall? $100,000. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's a lot. And she has, and then, so she has a bird, a dog, and a snake, three pets. Yeah. So I'm going to just assume this ration is like evenly and say each of them got about $33,000 worth of care. What on earth? How do you make a $33,000 dog house? Uh, by giving it air conditioning and heating, a little doggy pool. It a, does have an indoor pool. It has a dainty black chandelier. Oh gosh. Wait, so why? What? 
Why does your dog need a chandelier? I mean, air conditioning and heating, that's one thing, but but a chandelier? I mean, why not? You gotta have lighting, right? Why not a chandelier? <laughs> you don't gotta have... The thing about most dog houses is, no, they don't gotta have lighting. So... So that's the dog. What can you tell me about? I know this fact isn't about the snake enclosures or the bird enclosures, but tell me more about those if you can. Uh, well, the snake's name is Stripes. Is it Striped? I hope so. <laughs> if not, that's a confusing name. Yeah, it is. Well, it is a, it's a snake. It's kind of like a stripe. And then the bird's name is Levin. Levin? I guess. Yeah, L-E-V-O-N. Levon. I don't know. Levon, probably. <laughs> Levin, Levin the bird. (laughs) You might be the whitest person I know. Levin, Levon. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's rumored that uh, the bird can sing better than she can. Who rumored that? That's kind of (laughs) mean. I don't know. That's just what this. That's wow. Uh, And apparently, Levon has a single on the next on Olivia's next album. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either. I'm just reading you what uh, this this site is telling me. So you don't know anything about the dog and the snake or the snake and the... Uh, no, it just says that she spent $100,000 on enclosures and goes in to describe the dog one. Okay, so the other thing I need to touch on here is her, her dog is also named Olivia. Well, its name is Liv. I guess it could be short for Olivia. Maybe, Liv, maybe Olivia Jr. I don't know. I just live that is bizarre what kind of dog is it it's a golden retriever okay so i'm thinking this fact olivia rodrigo and the hundred thousand dollar dog house is a spin oh a spin yeah i bet it's two hundred thousand dollars jesus <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> just kidding i i just think it's probably not true i think she maybe has a bird a, a snake and a dog but the doghouse with a chandelier in it is a little bit much you are correct hey all right starting off good it's a new season of Factor Spin right now, uh, right? No, 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 no. As for the as for the doghouse, um, we're gonna play a quick game of guess that dollar amount because there is someone who spent a crap ton of money on a doghouse, and that would be Paris Hilton. How much money do you think Paris Hilton spent on her doghouse? Oh my gosh, I don't know. She probably got it a little dog hotel. I'm gonna say three hundred thousand dollars. That you basically nailed it. Three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Yes. It, uh, it's a plushy duplicate. Of her own multi-million dollar abode, which includes mini designer furniture, heating, air conditioning, ceiling molding, access to the pool, and even a dainty black chandelier. The two-story doghouse. You said access to the pool. Why would you build a doghouse with a pool without access to the pool? Well, no, I think it's access to her, like the big pool, not a doggy pool. Okay. Well, that's lame. It should be a doggy pool. Paris Hilton, if you're listening, you might want to rebuild. Start over. <laughs> Scrap just the whole thing. The designer furniture would be nice, though. If I were a dog, I that would... Really make me pause. <laughs> pause. Oh, like a like a dog foot. You're right. That was funny. Oh, that was on on purpose. It it was. Oh oh, eleven. I thought it maybe was like a flying thing, like something like with a root of levitate or like <laughs> I thought maybe that was the route, but then you just said it was Levon, and I was like, oh, this is just you doing your thing. Uh, my next one for you. She makes her own chips. Potato or poker. <laughs> Why are those the two things you went for? Because they're both chips. I mean, but of all the types of chips. Okay, banana, maybe? Um, Yeah, there you go. Do you have a thing for banana chips? Banana chips are good. They are. What kind of chips does she make? Oh, uh, potato. Homemade potato. Okay, thank you. You didn't actually answer me. So, to make a potato chip, does she bake them? Does she deep fry them? Does she kettle cook them? I don't know. 
Okay. Does she have different flavors? Does she just go for the standard potato classic, like Lay's classic chip? Uh, I think it's a standard flavor because it's a family recipe. Can you tell me what's included in it? Do we get to know? No, we don't know what the recipe is. It's that her great-grandfather, it's his recipe. It's been passed down. Awesome. How long has she been doing this? How'd she get into it? She, uh, she learned how to make it when she was in middle school. Middle school chip maker. So like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I like this fact. I think I'm going to say this one is a fact. You think or you know? Well, I don't know, but I think. I'm, I know I'm going to say it's a fact, but I only think that it's a fact. Well, now you know you are wrong. This is a spin. Oh, man. Got you with the wholesome great-grandfather spin. It was wholesome. It was pretty good. Where'd you get this one from? What was the idea? I have some chips sitting next to me, and I looked over at them and said, oh, I should do something with that. <laughs> you just sat here and looked at the chips on your desk. Meanwhile, I was like, well, well, she does have Irish ancestry. Maybe it's a potato thing. Great-grandpa. Okay, that makes sense. I can't believe you. I feel like I got played really hard on that one. Like some of these facts, you just do a ton of research. You're like, oh, the McBarge. There's three McBarges in the world and they float in the middle of a lake that, that flooded. And yes, there were ghosts in it and you could tour it for eight ninety five. And then this one, you're just like, yeah, family recipe chips. And I just, I got, you just juked me. Get bamboozled. I, that was, that was a bamboozle. Listen, I'm a dastard. Can't help it. Da- Dastard's got a dast. My next one for you. She was once kicked out of a theater. Haven't we all been? No. I don't actually, I don't think I have been either, but but I'm sure some of us have. So kicked out of a theater for what? Was she making noise? Yeah. Oh, being rambunctious. Like a, like a stage theater or a movie theater? A movie theater. What was the movie? It's hard sometimes to get kicked out of a movie theater. I've been in movie theaters with some people that should have been kicked out. It was Pitch Perfect 2. Pitch Perfect 2, the one starring the Pentatonics. That is the one starring the Pentatonics, yeah. <laughs> not starring, I mean, that's a stretch. But it's one we've talked about before. That was a... It was a familiar spin. What was she singing along with the songs, maybe? Yeah. Don't do that. Hey, if you're out there and you go to movies, unless it's like a a special, like, dedicated movie where that's a thing you can go do, reconsider, maybe. What what happened? Like, did they escort her out? Did she try and get back in? No, yeah, they just just asked her to leave, and she left. She was obsessed with the movie when it came out and went to see it in theaters seven times. Seven times. So did she get kicked out on time one or time four or time seven? Oh, I guess I don't know. In my head, I always just assumed seven, but I guess, yeah, she could have went to another theater and watched it again. She could have gone back to the same theater and watched it again. I guarantee they probably don't care that much. Yeah. So probably more like six and a half times then. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what's her favorite What's her favorite song from the movie? Oh, I have no idea. What's her least favorite song from the movie? Uh, Yes, yes I, I do know that one, surprisingly, somehow. <laughs> Tell it to me. I just can't wait to be king. That's her least favorite song. <laughs> It's her least favorite song from Pitch Perfect 2. Yep. Does David Cross sing that one? I'm going to say this one. I can't tell. Honestly, this is a tough one. It's a tough one because it could be true and it could not be true. I think this is a spin. Going with spin again. think I've done three spins in a row. I think you've done three spins in a row. You think? Correctly. Woo. All right. That's good. I've locked down at least a 50-50 for this week. And let's see if you can squeak out the lead with my last fact. I'm a good lead squeaker. She's had a weird item sold on the internet. Was it a tiny (laughs) yo-yo? No. That's a callback to our our inner wave episode. A long, long 40 episodes ago, almost 30, 30 episodes ago. So you say you said that in a weirdly passive way. You said she's had a weird item sold online. Did she sell the item? No. 
Okay, this could be a lot of things. So somebody sold this item that was hers. It was definitely hers at one point. What was it? Her nail clippings. Stop. Somebody, so they collected her nail clippings and sold them. Who had access to her nail clippings? A hardcore fan raided her dressing room to retrieve them after she left. No way. That's weird. How much did they sell for? Uh, I don't know. That seems like an important part of the fact. That honestly, I don't want to know the answer to. So I'm a little relieved. I'm looking it up. But like, if if I'm a if I'm a, a big fan and I decide to really cross some boundaries and invade a dressing room like that, why am I going straight to the trash can? Well, that's probably all that's left, right? All the other stuff was probably taken. Well, I guess that could be. Well, there's still probably some. Because it does say that it was after she left, right? It wasn't like why she was there. So most of her, the things that would have been hers probably were gone. Right. And so you probably look for like a you probably look for like a hairbrush or yeah the trash can or like a coffee cup. Yeah, I've heard those can get pulled out of the trash. Someone once told me. I wonder who that was. I have a hard time believing this one, but big old butt. You've given me three spins, and this is the last question of the episode, and it's just is one of those ones that seems so incredibly weird that it might be true might be but is it and you you would stick it right here after a bunch of spins to try and mess me up i think i'm gonna say that this is a weird fact it's not the worst body related fact we've had (laughs) what's the worst body related fact we've had i think it's got to be jared leto's ear yeah jared leto just wearing an ear around machine gun kelly's blood necklace is another one that's like uh but this one this one's up there and i think it's true you think Wrong! I win four facts this week, or four spins this week. That you, you just told a fifth spin. Uh, and I and I made three of the four of them up on the spot because I came unprepared. You, <laughs> I, you had so much time. The only one that I came prepared with was the nail clipping ones because that is true about an artist we've done. Oh, someone we've talked about. Yes. Oh no, not this again. For, for the classic half a point uh, redemption, they could you know squeak out the lead. Can you guess who? Is this a fact about? Oh, this is hard. I'm just trying to. I'm honestly, I'm going through the list trying to think whose toenails would I want? <laughs> like if I were gonna buy toenails. And I, <laughs> There's honestly none of them. But we did have a toenail crushing unit once. We had a unit that crushed toenails and it was for Weezer. I don't think it's them. Is this is this Dua Lipa? This is not Dua Lipa. Sorry. This is about Tom York from Radio. <laughs> Wait, so that is so weird and so on brand. I know. And it was so funny because it popped up on my timeline after uh like I was I was it just popped up as like a news story on my phone after recording that episode. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> so I had to include it. But uh, yeah, first first round of season four is a 50-50. As usual. And uh, with that, don't forget to go follow me on Twitter at the underscore mixtaper. Go participate in the in the giveaway. I am. I hope I win it. I don't know if you can win it, but that's okay. Go do the thing anyway. If I don't win it, it's rigged. And with that, I'll bid you adieu with a classic. Yeah, that was pretty classic. Welcome back, Connor. That was that was a, that was a rough round of factors spin for me. I thought, even though I got fifty fifty, I feel like I didn't deserve a fifty fifty on that one. Yeah, and that's mainly just because of fact two. It really, the, the chips one really. That one took the wind out of my sails hard. Well, let's talk about the cover art of Sour. The cover art features Olivia standing in front of a purple background with stickers all over her face and stickers on her tongue that say, predictably, Sour. 
It was photographed by Grant Spanier, who works with Interscope Records, artists, and more. And actually, well, trivia tidbit, the ring that she's wearing, it looks like it's one that was given to her by Taylor Swift. Huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big, big influence on this album. What do you think? Is this a sweet, sour album cover? I saw this. So I went to New York here a few, like a month or a couple months back now. Mm-hmm. And this album art was, there's a huge billboard of it in Times Square. Oh, so you were familiar? With the album art? Yes, because it was like right outside my hotel. So every time I stepped out of the hotel, there there it was. Got a little more sour outside. <laughs> I meant to take a picture of it, knowing we'd eventually do this episode, but it somehow escaped me. Well, that's a shame. I, I think it's a good album cover. Honestly, it's got a little bit of what's that. What's with all the stickers or whatever on her face? I don't know what's with them. I just know that that's an aesthetic choice. And they're on her tongue. That's the weird, the weird part. Like, all over the face I can get, whatever, but the tongue? Like, what? Well, because it's sour. I mean, how do you experience the sensation of sour things? I hear them. What? You hear sour things? Well, I mean, that may be true for things like pop rocks, but generally, you taste them. That's the that's the tongue thing. I think it's a good album cover. I, I think it's got a, a good amount of spunk, good attitude that kicks off this record the right way. It's It's got an air of pop and an air of punk rock, which is exactly what this album is. And exactly where it starts out with track number one, Brutal. I like the way it starts. With that, that heavy guitar. It's great. Brutal debuted at its highest peak, uh, number 12, on the Billboard Hot 100. And it was also Olivia Rodrigo's first number one on the Hot Rock and Alternative Songs chart. By November 2021, it was certified platinum. And actually, what's surprising is that this one was a late addition to the record, despite being the first track. They had most of the record ready already. And she wrote it with her producer and said, that's it, let's put it on the record. She was really heavily inspired by 90s punk and grunge type music, almost like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, you know, stuff like that. I didn't know really what to expect from this album. This does not point you in a particular direction, I don't think. It doesn't help you get oriented. No, it doesn't. And it kind of kept me, this whole album kept me disoriented almost the entire way through. Really? Really all turned around? I can never really get my footing with this album. Yeah, okay, I like that. Like with this song, I really like that kind of grungy pop style that they went with. But like, does it get kind of played out? I don't think it does because we start with the strings right at the very beginning and then we grunge it up and then we have a little bit of time where it really hangs on to that first main riff, hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. But the outro, we, we roll it back to the strings again. And I think that ebb and flow is a pretty good texture for it. Because like it does this thing. Verse one, you know, nice and long. Love that. A, a lot going on in verse one. Yes. But it's all to the exact, almost like the exact same musical and rhythmical beats. Like it's just like da 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 da. It was like okay. Well, but okay. think about it this like, way. You're right. It is almost chanted more than it's even sung. But also, but think about it because the song is all about how brutal it is as a teenager out in the world. Brutal as a newcomer into the music industry. Brutal everywhere, right? And I think this song musically like that kind of embodies a representation of things getting played out and getting beat down by thing after thing after thing. And so... I like that and I like the chorus. I do like when she, she kicks it up with the all I did was try my best blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then verse two when we get back into the bump bum 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 like verse two is like the perfect length i think for that beat yes but because of how long verse one was i was already tired of it by the time we hit verse two so like i almost think verse one hurt verse two uh in that regard whereas if verse one and verse two had been about the same length i think i wanted to have been 
feeling a bit overplayed and disoriented with this song. I'm so sick of 17, where's my flippin' teenage dream? Just, you really get a sense of that angst, that frustration. It's all very on a silver platter. Well, she admits that the song is polarizing, but she says that she absolutely loves it. So, there you have it. That's the story behind an album opener. But it is disorienting. One of the track placements that I cannot get past the most on this album is Traitor as track two. I think it's terrible as a track two. Not terrible as a song. I just think putting it in the second spot on this album after Brutal was maybe not the right call. I agree and I disagree. Okay, uh, start with the agree part so I feel good about myself. Playing both sides so that I always win, no matter which way the comments land. I agree with you that it, it lends itself to that um, disorientation I had this entire time, right? Because we went from like grungy pop with Brutal into this into driver's license which also has a different tone like like, like we didn't have a consistent tone till like three or four tracks in and so it was and even then it was Mm. i would say i would say we get a good solid sense of tone on driver's license one step forward deja vu that little string is good yeah but then she throws it out the window good for you (laughs) 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 just as we started to settle down we we mix it up again it's true it's a little bit of a pivot yeah and so in that regard, like, like again, because, again, I didn't know what to expect going into this. And so now we're two tracks in out of 11, and I'm still not sure where we're going with this or what to expect. And so from that regard, I think it would have been better to maybe, you know, it's good to sometimes kick an album off with something that stands out. Um, we've seen several albums that have done that where the first track doesn't really match the rest of the album, and it does it for the better. But I think track two needs to then bring you into what to expect on the rest of the album in a way that I think Trader doesn't necessarily do. No, not at all. But I do think it sets you up for what the majority of the album is going to be about thematically. That's true. Thematically, very on on target, yes. Trader does a very good job of just laying it all out there, you know, of exactly how she feels about this theme. And so therefore, these other songs are then able to explore that theme in unique ways that it wouldn't necessarily be able to do if she didn't lay out all the basic groundwork with Trader. That's a good point. Trader is about a relationship where the partner feels less invested and starts to kind of build this pseudo relationship with someone else. And even though it technically isn't cheating, it kind of still counts. That's the whole idea. You, you didn't cheat, but you're still a traitor. You still betrayed my trust in this relationship. You violated it. it only took you two weeks before you moved in on on her and like you were hanging around her a bunch when we were dating and I was suspicious and kind of jealous and but you were always assuring me you know kind of gaslighting me going no no we're just friends but then as soon as we break up you moved right in like she's a new trophy I like that line isn't it good I know this song because of all of that drama it actually kicked off a lot of speculation about her real life relationships and and things that may have occurred in and around them she says she actually wrote a lot of the song on her bedroom floor. And she says it feels like an old country song to her. And she at one point called it her favorite song on the album. Yeah, I had the same note. Okay, we went from grunge to country. When are we going to get the pop? Well, we get there. <laughs> we get there. But you're right. It, it is country-y. This is about as country as most modern country is nowadays. So. I, and it was a, a solid success, honestly. It's a big song. Like I said, a good one from the album. It debuted at number nine. And it was her fourth top ten song. By March of 2022, it's been certified two times platinum. So regardless of where it should logistically be on the album, I think it's unfair to call it a bad song. But boy, 
she really just throughout this album she just takes this guy to town yes just really lays into him and i don't know i'm not here to speculate on whether it's deserved or not but that's just one thing you'll notice by the end is why she really lets him have it like imagine being the subject of an album like this how must that make you feel it reminds me honestly of some of the songs on Fleetwood Mac, where it's just them like <laughs> singing about one another and <laughs> how much everybody sucks. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing where she talked about. People have said, "Oh, are you worried you're going to get pigeonholed into being like a, a heartbreak writer?" Right? Like people almost like they did to early Taylor Swift. It worked out for Taylor Swift. Like you just write about boys all the time and heartbreak and stuff. But she said that that's the thing that she experiences in her actual life. She feels it very intensely, so she wants to express it very authentically. And I, I think that heart is one thing that shines through in a lot of this album especially on her big big breakout hit track three driver's license it's been certified five times platinum at this point maybe even more that's huge that's a ton she first teased this song way back in july of 2020 and even announced the title but it didn't come out until january of the next year she said when i came up with driver's license i was going through a heartbreak that was so confusing to me so multifaceted Putting all those feelings into a song made everything seem so much simpler and clearer. And at the end of the day, I think that's really the whole purpose of songwriting. So like I said, she she treats it like this very cathartic, very personal experience. And and because of that, she never expected Driver's License to blow up the way it did, to be a hit. Because it was just a thing that she wrote about something that she went through. And it turns out it was super relatable and it connected with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. She said having a song that affected not only people who are going through the same thing as you, but to bring them back to a time where they were going through the same thing as you are, she said it was just surreal. A songwriter's dream. The song actually disappointed me a little bit right off the get-go. It disappointed you. How? It's my own fault. I had expectations that were unfulfilled. Oh, well, yeah, that would do it. What were your expectations, and how did this not meet them? I heard that first verse, loved it, had the potential to be about something other than boys. <laughs> like, like that easily could have been about, like, maybe a, a parental role model or, like, grandparent that no longer was around or something like that. Like, it could have had so much more emotion behind it than just boy broke up with me and now I can't drive with him and it didn't go there and I was sad. You wanted the Barry Manilow fallen leaves someone's died thing. Yeah. Why is that your trope? That's a morbid trope. It's sad and sentimental and heart-wrenching and makes for good music. Well, this makes for good music too. It was wildly popular. I was listening to it and the somber tone behind it. I was like, this could, this is, where's this gonna go? This could easily go somewhere way more interesting and heartfelt than than a lost boyfriend especially a lost boyfriend around the time of like the age of getting your driver's license which is like not that emotional at all well but <laughs> you have the perspective on that I at know, being know, past I that know. age she doesn't and so that's why she writes songs like this is because are you saying i'm not the proper demographic for this song how dare you <laughs> absolutely listen you and i middle 20 something men are absolutely not the demographic for this album how dare it's the way it is but anyway otherwise it's a great song i really liked i can see why it was popular it's just i was a little disappointed it didn't take the barry manilow approach as you call it I wondered how you'd, you'd think about this, whether it's a clever metaphor, whether it's more of a real life story. Like it came and went in waves for me. The first time I listened to it, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, I, I kind of was in your camp, actually, and I didn't love it. And then 
I took some time away from it, and then I listened to it again, and I was like, okay, all right. And then I took some time away, and I came back, and I was like, eh. And then I came back, and I was like, okay. And uh, we're on an okay part of the wave now. I think this song is probably going to stick with me. I think it's a good one. I really like how the chorus builds. It stair steps up that, that chorus line. Yes, yeah. It's a very effective use of tension. And then the music like swells. I don't know how I feel about the last line. The You, you said forever, now I drive alone past your street. The most iconic line. No, I don't know how I feel about musically. The first time, it's fine. It brings you back down for verse three. At the end of the song, it's good because it's a good outro. But the second chorus right before the bridge, she completely undercuts the bridge, I think, by mellowing back out again. Like it should have that should have been the one time you go you keep it intense uh as you go into the bridge. I think she made a mistake by losing the momentum on chorus two. You have a good point with that, actually. Yeah, I could get behind that. I would love for it to ramp up, but you're right, the bridge does feel a little disconnected from that second chorus. See, I can make a good point every once in a while. You follow good points. They're just pointing in the wrong direction sometimes. The lyrics for this song started as some lines in her diary that she expounded upon but the story behind it is that it's about her ex-boyfriend who was actually helping teach her how to drive in the parking lot of an in and out if you ever wanted to know if you ever listened to driver's license think about in and out but with that we should take one step forward into the next track track one brutal i'm sorry i'm gonna have to step uh three take three steps back actually and go back to brutal did you not that's what i just i know but i want i wanted to i, I had that joke geared up and i couldn't just let you Steal it. I just stole it. You well, you've done it again. Where you get all the good ones, and I'm—it's sad. I want—I want all the good ones. Well, that's okay. Uh, you could get some good ones later. <laughs> One step forward, three steps back is up next on the album, and this song is actually built around the bones of the closing track from Taylor Swift's Reputation. New Year's Day. And she even made the decision to alter the popular phrase one step forward, two steps back. And uh, people think that that was a subtle nod to Taylor's favorite number, 13, making it, you know, one step forward and three steps back. She says she actually wrote the song (laughs) the day before somebody broke up with her. So she like just couldn't listen to it for a while because the pain was still too fresh. That's that's a bad timing. Bad coincidence there. She said that she wrote it about loving someone who's inconsistent. And she felt like she was walking on eggshells around someone who she just wanted validation and love and support from. So that's kind of the, the story behind this song. It peaked at number 19 on the charts. And it's been certified gold. I like One Step Forward, Three Steps Back. I think it's, um, like I said, the first time we start to get a sense of this album in this three song stretch from Driver's License to Deja Vu. It's an important piece of the album, but I don't think it's a, a standout piece of the album for me. Um, This song is when I started to notice something about this album and about Olivia Rodrigo. And I don't know if I'm off base, if I'm if I'm close to the base, you know, if I'm sliding in the second, you know. What do you, uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, I got lost in the baseball analogy. This is a home run. <laughs> Maybe I've struck out, getting an RBI triple. Maybe I'm on base, but I shouldn't be. Maybe maybe it's just because she's, uh, this is her first album. She's newer at this. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to notice some techniques that scream new artist. And that's coming from somebody who couldn't write a song like this to save his life. Mm, okay. But, uh, so just to be clear, <laughs> I'm not yes. claiming I could do it better. Connor's Hippin and Hoppin' album is going to be a real, <laughs> a real hard time. Yes, it is. Like on this song particularly, the co- like the chorus and the verses don't mesh necessarily. Like they go, they they work, but 
they don't have that like maturity to them that maybe a more seasoned artist would be able to give them. Not like Taylor Swift's New Year's Day. Yeah, like verse two into chorus two is a real like shaky transition in my opinion mm-hmm. and things like that. And like there'll be other points that I'll point out where like maybe some of the um, musical complexity is kind of not there where it could have been or the rhyming scheme is a bit basic. But again, it's it's I don't know if that's fledgling writer who's up and coming and this is their first this is their first attempt or or what i don't know it's just i started to notice things i was like hmm we've definitely listened to albums that like have a similar sound to them but are definitely more like Mm -hmm. mature and complex than what this one is giving me right in a way that i because again i was right this is the third one we've talked about that was up for album of the year and so like especially Mm -hmm. compared to montero and we are that complexity and maturity just isn't quite there for me that you see on those two albums i'll give you montero because Lil nas x is kind of in the same general age range and with a debut album john batiste is a little different because he's like a seasoned musician right that's what i'm saying as i said it could just be a factor of her age and how long she's been at this you know not not everybody can be at that level right away no i'll give you though i think we'll talk about it more when we get to the final spin but i think you're pretty on point i think there's a lot of promise in this album yes and that's what's so exciting about it it it, it may be we'll get there yeah we'll get there i've said similar things about other artists too i'm trying to i'm trying to steal home a little early we're not quite the final spin yet no no not quite all right for this next next, song i'm gonna take one step forward i was trying to give it listen i was trying to give i was teeing you up by doing the same intro i did for this song for the next that's what i was gonna do i was gonna do it (laughs) should we start coordinating transitions that's why i was trying to cut you off i was gonna be like now we need to take one step forward and then you were gonna be like oh i'm getting a sense of deja vu anyway you've ruined it move on deja vu next track but you but you said you wanted the good part Um, and i was gonna give you the good part the payoff no the good part no the payoff is just like the the table scraps that are just there the setup is oh you were gonna give me the table scraps i never have good setups you always get all the good setups and then i have to come in and just be like oh here's the punchline that was staring you in the face Okay, well, I'll try and not give you the table scraps some other time. This argument is giving me a real sense of deja vu, that's for sure. We've probably had it before. I like deja vu a surprising amount, honestly. Not that surprising, it's like the third most popular song on the album. Okay, but I'm just saying, this album in general is not always my favorite, and I don't always like it as much as it maybe should be liked. And I I like deja vu a surprising amount for me. You don't like like it? I don't like like it. This one also interpolates a little bit of a Taylor Swift song. One of my favorite Taylor Swift songs actually cruel summer it's a little bit in there this one debuted at number eight and peaked at number three on the charts and this is the song right here that made her the first ever artist to have their first two singles debut in the top 10 it's certified three times platinum and uh, i really like it this uh song was the inspiration behind the mixtapers singing along the pitch perfect too oh really singing along in the car to one of our classic artists billy joel reference to him you remember billy joel who's billy joel no he's the guy with the koala bear and the green skittles oh right yeah this one's all right just all right yeah okay it doesn't have so it's a it's a slower airier song like crater and like some of the other ones Mm -hmm. but it didn't have the same effect on me that some of the other ones did especially the deja the way she says deja vu sometimes is a bit annoying for me oh yeah yeah um, I'm, I'm with the end of the chorus is it, it's another weaker end to the chorus and i don't really know how i feel about the premise on this one i feel like it's a weaker premise you think i think it's one of the stronger ideas really 
One of them. Yeah. Well, the whole idea started with uh, a note that she had stored in her phone for a long time that had that line in the chorus, when she's with you, do you get deja vu? And I, I love it. I think it's pretty cool because imagine you've just been broken up with, right? You see your ex-partner off with somebody else enjoying the things that you used to enjoy together. Yeah. It feels like that. That's pretty classic for how all things go. Yeah. Places, every place you went with somebody when you break up with them doesn't become off limits. Once I, no, no, no. I'm not saying it's off limits, but I'm just saying you might wonder whether that person is remembering all the times that you did all those things when yeah. they're with their new partner. Like, do you still think about me? Have you forgotten me? And it makes you question, did what we did mean anything to you? Or is that your move? Is that your thing that you do all the time for everybody? Am I special? Or was I just another case of deja vu? That part of it I can get behind. I guess it's the passiveness of the do you get deja vu that I don't I don't care for it. Her sitting there looking at them going, I wonder if he's thinking about me. Okay. Uh, yeah. That, that passiveness behind it is what I don't really care for. Like, think again, I'm, I guess we're going to go, be talking about Barry Man a little bunch on this episode. He has the whole song about how he still thinks about his ex even though he's with somebody new. He can't get over them. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been years and he has a better life and blah, blah, blah. Like, that ha- takes a more active role in the concept and so that's why I think I like it more. Whereas this is just like, Somebody sitting there going, oh, I miss him. I wonder if he misses me. I think it's a little more intensely put than that, but sure. There's not much intensity to it, though. That's the other thing. Like, you could have made it a more intense song, and maybe that would have helped it. Maybe it would have. Not only is it a passive concept, but then you give it a passive tone. And so the whole thing just comes across extremely passive for me. I see. But, you know, if you don't uh, feel that way about it, good for you. I was gonna, I was gonna tee up another transition, and you told me not to do that, so I held back. And you, that was good because I got there on my own. Thank you. Was it good for me? No, it was good for you. <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I undercut your transition with yeah, the you, second transition. You, you son of a motherfucker! I'll just put in a big beep right there. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. Is that's, <sighs> this is okay? Sorry, still not over the transition. But you can you could just cut mine out. You'll just put it back in. I can't do that without a ton of a, an annoying hassle. Also, the song starts off with a nice ah, which is kind of like my sigh. So right, good for you is is the album's big punk rock song. I think this is the clearest song that's it, maybe aside from Brutal, but even more so than Brutal. It has like, more Spotify plays than Driver's License. Does it really? Uh huh. Oh, it does. I just now noticed that. It, it, it's a big song. I think she really leans less on Taylor Swift and more on her inner, like, Paramore or Avril Lavigne here. And that's what I like. I think it's a good... It, it, it also is disorienting. Yes. This is another one that knocks you off your feet. But mm-hmm. it's still a darn good song. She actually... She said she wanted to make an early 2000s pop punk song with this one. And... She says that she didn't want to make an entire record that sounds like Driver's License. Yeah. She said there's no fun in that for her and probably not for listeners. Now, you see, this is a good point to mix it up, right? You had three songs in a row that kind of flow together nicely. And so then to wake your audience up, you throw in something like this. I just don't know about doing that with the first two tracks before you get there, you know? (laughs) Right. No, it's true. Because if you just move Trader, you're probably fine. Because, right, you start with Brutal that kind of goes, hey, audience, bam, something crazy, something exciting. Now let's mellow it out for these three tracks. Then bam, something exciting again. That's so, true. I think it's just Trader that threw the whole thing off. This song is another record breaker. It was the fastest song to 700 million Spotify streams. Actually, it's maybe been ahead of, of Driver's License for quite a while. The music video also blew up. It got huge. She commits arson, sets a house on fire. Not sure if you've seen that, but it's made the rounds a lot. And I just love the backhandedness of Good For You. It's really got teeth because it's all sarcastic. You know, good for you. 
you look happy and healthy, but not me. And it's not really, you know, she's not really wishing him well. She's just uh, being sarcastic about it. Mm -hmm. Love that. What do you think about the bridge? The bridge. Great questions. I like the bridge. I think it's a good breakdown, a good deviation from the, the big pop punk structure, but still keeping that like early 2000s feel to it. But like modern twist, it's nice. It does. Th- it does like the opposite of what I complained about a few songs ago on Driver's License. You wanted this one to stay big. No, I wanted the other one to go big. Right. Oh, but I thought you were mad because the other one, the Driver's License, went small. It went small. I wanted it to go big. This one, I wanted it to stay small. I don't know. Maybe it's not quite the opposite. Let me just describe it. Um, <laughs> Please, yes, <laughs> use your words. This is a podcast. <laughs> So we get into that, the end of, uh, okay, so yeah, this one, it starts to go big, and then it teases you with the big, and then stays small. That's what happened on this one. You hit the end of the second chorus as it mellows out on the, but I guess good for you, into the ahs, and then you get this kind of floaty bridge that repeats itself, but whatever, you know, I liked it until it repeated itself. Yeah, yeah, of course. Especially since it's smushed right between two choruses that are already, a chorus is already repetitive, as a chorus is meant to be. So it's like, come on, do something different with your bridge, come on. It would have been fine, because they they take that second one and they start to build the intensity each time she with each line the second time through the like drums and the guitar get a little more intense all the way up into the or maybe you never cared at all and then it backs back down for this like floaty airy well good for you version of the chorus i was like no you build it up perfectly for you to give you another big smack and you dropped out from under it mm. well the, the repetition thing i think that's just a product of you know new artist young songwriter sure but but again, I was fine with it because they were building it up. Like, you know, sure. I have to just complain about it because that's my thing. <laughs> but it was just another one of those disappointing moments where it was like, I was like, okay, okay, we're building the intensity. We're building the intensity. You're going to hit me with a really big, well, good for you. And then instead we just get this, it all mellows out to this, well, good for you. I think it's all floaty. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> you just wanted one more smack. Yeah. Smack me, Olivia Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on a shirt. <laughs> Make one of those, uh, like one of those tourist shirts, whatever. Where it's like I, uh, I got whatever in the Tower of, what you know, it's like someone, one of those. Someone, someone who loves me got <laughs> smacked by Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, I got my dad. I got one of my dad with us. My son went to to England. All I got was this shirt. I want, I want a shirt that is what you just described. I love that. Oh, that's funny. That's, that's so stupid. It's so funny. Oh, we'll make a shirt like that. Oh, no. We might not really sell it to anybody but you, but you can have one. Oh, man. But anyway, other than that, I really like the song. I do, too. Good For You is one of the strongest points on the record. How do you feel about putting the number four and the letter U in the title? If it's a pop album, so I don't really care. Okay, and then how do you feel about that backed right up, back to back with Enough For You, all the four U songs in a row, and then they don't do that. It kinda... All the U songs in a row. We got Deja Vu, Good For You, Enough For You. Oh, and then Happier. <laughs> No, you're right. I, I guess I've never thought about that. We're we're in the ooze section we're, we're of the album. In the <laughs> well, yeah. Enough for you is a song that Olivia wrote entirely by herself. That's nice. Yeah, it's another bedroom floor song. I'll try not to be too mean about it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, if you if you want smacked though, um, maybe. What song is this based off of? You said some of the other ones were based on a skeleton of another song because this sounded so freaking familiar. You're right. Like It reminded me of something and I'm not sure what it was. I don't know what it reminds me of either. It's true. It's like on the tip of my tongue what song it 
the way her vocal melody kind of cascades down the rhythm of the lyrics, the softest guitar being the only thing in the background. Mm-hmm. I don't know what song it reminds me of, but it, it reminds me of something, maybe even a song we've done on this podcast. Like, is it like an, is it a, is it a Casey Musgraves or like an Ingrid Andress song or? I don't know. Like, it reminds me of something and it's right there and I just can't place it. I don't know. It's close. What actually inspired this song was a TikTok. She says that she was on breakup TikTok for a while, and she found this hopeful breakup video, and that's what inspired the song. This song, actually, uh, it maybe was just popular, but it definitely reminds me of something. I can't picture what it echoes, but I hear it. It was popular. It hit number 14 on the charts, certified gold, and uh, actually, she did something cool with this one. We've talked about similar things like this before, but one of the ways that she promoted the album was having a hotline number that people could call and they heard a preview of Enough For You. I think Bad Sons did that with Peachy, is when we talked about it first. Mm-hmm. And I have to point out a certified poetry moment on this album at the end of one of the verses. I don't want your sympathy, I just want myself back. I like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. The second verse sounds like it wasn't written by a 19-year-old or however she was, old she was at the time. It just sounds like something an older person would, would write. Does it? I don't know. Like When I was an 18, 19-year-old, I wasn't reading self-help help books, nor did I know anybody who liked self-help books. It's true. <laughs> no, you're right. That's a good point. It really was like weird. What a weird detail. And knowing how you take your coffee. I definitely didn't yeah. drink coffee until college. Yeah. I think this is an impressive song. In, in most regards, it does stand out in a lot of ways on this album. It's one of the stronger tracks, and it's impressive that she just did it all by herself. It is. It's another one where verse three in the cor- into the next chorus doesn't transition as smoothly as I think it could have. It felt a bit muddy. Mm. And... I, th- I think at several points in the song, the instruments aren't providing a good enough bass for her singing. She's almost singing too loudly or too intensely for what the instruments are doing behind her, and so they feel disconnected. At other points, they 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 work well together. Um, but well. Sp- again, specifically towards the as she's trying to ramp up from verse three into the chorus, she her voice gets louder and her singing gets more intense. But the the guitar just keeps plucking away back there, all melodic like. And I'm like, oh, you gotta do something with the instruments there to back you up as you do that. Well, I think it's meant to be disconnected. I just don't think they're meant to be a focal point of anything. They're just meant to be there. Well, then they need to be a little quieter. They're they're too loud to just oh, so be they were there. Too, oh, so they were somewhere in the middle. But not loud enough to support how loud she was being. I see. Either direction is fine with me. Pick a direction and put it that way. Either quieter or louder. Whatever floats your boat. Can't be in the middle. Whatever makes you happier. Whatever makes you happier, except what you actually did, which was probably what you were the most happy with. I really like happier. Like, you're talking about cool concept songs. Yes. I like the concept of happier. Happier is is a pretty good concept, yes. The idea behind it is you can be happy with this new girl, but not as happy as you were with me. It's pretty much the gist of it. I don't like the synth in this one very much. I think that big swell at the end of every chorus is maybe a little bit too much. Hmm. But otherwise, I think I have no qualms with the instrumentation at all. Just that one. And one little nitpicky thing. She actually, so this is a fun story. She put out a little demo of Happier on her Instagram, and that's what caught the attention of her producer. And the producer, he reached out and he said, hey, we should start making music together. The rest is pretty much history. And it's another certified platinum song, debuted at number 15. I think what I like about this song is that it manages to like convey that message of be happy with someone else, but not happier. That's a message that it's really easy to be, like, arrogant with, right? Like, I hope you're never as happy as you were with me again. It's easy to take that overboard. But I think, especially with this little bit in the chorus, she does a good job of, of avoiding that by especially acknowledging 
exactly what kind of statement she's making here with I'm selfish I know I can't let you go so find someone great don't find no one better I really like that moment of reflection in the middle of the chorus to say like yeah I know this is an unreasonable thing to ask but it's how I feel in this moment so I think it does a good job striking that balance yeah I have two notes on this song okay uh hit us with the first one. First one is a familiar one I need she part of her recipe if we were making a sour Olivia Rodrigo dish. A sour salad. <laughs> is undercutting your build, your big buildups. Mm. She likes to do that where she'll swell, 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 and then cut it all back and go almost acapella with it. And again, that first time she does it with the chorus on this song, it works because then you get that cool kind of synth bass drop into verse two. Mm-hmm. But then, because you do then the tease on chorus two where you start to build it up with this uh so find someone great but don't find no one better and then you bring it you slide back down into that hope you're happy again with a second kind of extended chorus and then you build it all the way back up to the don't be happy right before your big bridge with all your ooze and you cut under it again it's like no See? that's the moment you don't undercut i told you happier was in the ooze section of the album and you didn't believe me you laughed <laughs> i knew <laughs> yeah you're right it is in the ooze section it's a sneaky one but it belongs here i just didn't want it to undercut in that second course again I, that was your moment to really say don't be happy or like go up the scale with it um nice and strong my other note though is a more positive one and i think this is maybe one of her rhythmically and lyrically more complex and mature songs. oh rhythmically this is the epitome of rhythmical maturity on this album yeah yeah and it does so at the, at, we've talked about it a couple times where a song maybe lasts a little longer in the grand scheme of time, but isn't as easily to be picked up in the present. Yes. In the sense that this song is not easy to sing along to. You can't put this song on having never heard it and kind of pick up what the rhythm's going to be and what the melody's going to be and kind of hum along to it, even if you don't know the words, because it's all over the place. It does all sorts of different things with its rhythm. Not to mention, it's it's almost like a waltz. But I think, yeah, it really is. It kind of does have that uh, that that waltz tempo to it. But I think that is going to make it last longer than maybe some of your more sing-alongable songs that get played out. One step forward, three steps back. <clears throat> yeah. This is a song that once you do know it, is always going to be catchy and something you want to listen to because of that maturity behind it. And so for that reason, I really like this song. I do too. Good pick. Can I Can I go ahead with the... Yeah, yeah, I took or the last you be... couple. You can have one. Okay, thank you. I was worried if I just did it without you, you would be jealous, jealous. I will not be filled with jealousy, jealousy. Don't worry. Good, great. Jealousy, jealousy is track number nine. And I mean, in a certain sense, jealousy, jealousy might be a fitting thematic umbrella for this entire album. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's a song about seeing your ex with somebody else. The whole album is that way. It's it's just like that. But that aside, this song actually, on a micro level, is about how social media has affected the younger generation and led to all kinds of comparison and, you know, point blank, jealousy. I almost think between happier and jealousy is where I would have where I would have slotted traitor. Yeah, what would you have put where Trader goes though? I'm also curious about that. I would have just, I I would just have slid everything up a slot. I would have gone from brutal right in the driver's license. That would have been sick. Honestly, you're right. I think that's what should have happened. Yeah, you should have went brutal into driver's license, one step forward, then into the ooze section, and then as you come out of the ooze section, boom, Trader. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I ha I'll have to think about it a little more, but I almost think because of how thematically good it sums up. Jealousy, Jealousy might have also been a decent closer. Um, From a thematic standpoint. Maybe. I'd have to think about that one a little more. But I definitely think 
this is the spot where I would have put Traitor and I would have slid everything else up. Yeah. She said that the reason this song made it onto the record is the sonics of it, the sounds behind it. She said there's this piano in the bridge that's so convoluted and almost atonal. Sometimes it just doesn't go with the music and it's so chaotic. I think Jealousy, I think it's a a catchy little song. And it was one of my fast favorites from this album the first two or three times I listened to it. But since then, it's kind of taken a little bit of a backseat to some of the other songs that I didn't initially like as much. For example, like Driver's License that I said started on a low and then got high and low and high and low. I think I think Jealousy started high and then just got low. And it's never really bounced back for me. This song also reminded me of another song. and I don't know what it was. It could be anything. It's the background singers that are, sound so familiar. Mm, yeah, that's true. Good use of background singers throughout this album, by the way. Very well, well executed. Here and on Good For You and a couple other places, they really stick out. The background vocals, not necessarily singers. Definitely a lot of them are just her layered. Up next, track number 10, Favorite Crime. I have to ask, you know, this is a podcast. Yeah. Legally, anything we say we're, we're protected by. If you, were, if you were to commit a crime, what crime would be your favorite to commit? Mm, I wasn't prepared for this. I know. Um, I'm just trying to think of crimes. You can't even think of a crime? Nothing, nothing sexy. What? You, you know, there's all the bland stuff, you know, just robbing a bank and, you know, all the boring answers that everybody's got to think of. There's nothing out there sexy. No, I challenge the notion that robbing a bank cannot be a sexy crime. It's just played out in, in an obvious answer. Oh, okay. I got it. I would like... No, not you would like your favorite crime. It's just what would be your favorite. We wouldn't like to do any of this. If you're listening and you're a cop, you have to comment and tell us you're a cop. But also... <laughs> yes, of course. I think my favorite would be throwing snakes at people. That is criminal. Yeah. Stripes. <laughs> Stripe out here. Or or kill a house fly within 160 feet of a church without my license. Do you need a license to kill a house fly within 160 feet of a church? In, in the state of Ohio, you do. I bet I've killed flies in a church before. I'm not licensed. Hey, the statute of limitations is over on that. Anybody who may be listening, any fly cops. I'm just looking up a list of weird laws in Ohio that I could get away with. Don't, don't look up laws that you could get away with. I just mean like if I could get away with one. Right. Anyway, this song certified, certified. You got me talking about flies. Oh, whoa. No, I know what I want. I know what my favorite crime is. It's letting my duck parade down Ohio Avenue. You're going to have a duck parade? Yeah. Apparently in McDonald, Ohio, which I didn't know was a place, your duck may not parade down Ohio Avenue. That's my new favorite crime. <laughs> I'm going to get the mixtape or a duck. Don't. He's going to make it criminal. Hell yeah. That's why I'm giving it to him. can't throw him in prison. He'll quack. <laughs> so anyway, the song, Favorite Crime, Certified Platinum, peaked at number 16. And uh, yeah, this this song is all about how the ex committed crimes against her. And uh, hopefully those were his favorite. That's the idea, more or less. This reminds me of the bit in The Office where it's like, uh, that's a hate crime. No, Michael, it's not. Well, I hated it. <laughs> I hated it? That does, you're right, that is that's about how this song feels. I don't think the majority of these things are actually criminal. But... No, they're not really criminal, but that's okay. She said that the idea behind this, she said in order to get over a heartbreak, I think you have to forgive that person who caused you pain, but I think a big part of that is forgiving yourself. So, you know, that's what this song is kind of born out of. And honestly, I get it. Because the chorus starts with blaming yourself for all the things that I did, right? And then we pivot to all the things that you did. It's a, it's a, 
a good order to put things. Because, once again, this is a subject and a topic that'd be really easy to come in swinging, right? She's out out for slaps. And it'd be really easy to come in too heavy-handed. But I think she does a good job pulling that back and reining that in by starting with that self-reflection. Favorite Crime is okay. It is. It feels to me like it's just kind of here on the album. This is one of those songs that is here because it has to be, you know? Yeah. It's only two and a half minutes. It's a short little piece, and we get through it fairly quickly. It's not bad, but it's not anything that I'm going to come back to often. And we close out this album with Hope You're Okay. Certified Gold. Peaked at number 29. Especially if your name is Annie. Annie? Are, is she okay? Is she okay, Annie? I hope I hope she is. I hope she is too. That's a Michael Jackson joke. It has no place on this album. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but here it is regardless. Yeah. I think Hope You're Okay is a great track to end this album. I mean, you talked about how maybe Jealousy Jealousy could end it thematically, but I honestly, I think Hope You're Okay is the way to go. Yeah, let it stand. Let it stand? <laughs> Good. We actually uh, have some justification from her about why they decided to put it in here at the end. She said that the song is super hopeful and Sour is a very sad, angry, emotional record. I wanted to end it with a song that was like, we're going to be all right. We're going to get over it. Everything's going to be okay and we have each other. So that's the tone that she wanted to take with this last track. And I think, honestly, it, it does that very well. It hits that mark. She says she wrote this song from the perspective of some of her friends. And, and she made up some of them, too. She doesn't actually know some of these people in the song, but... She's got stories that she collected from people and put those in the song instead. I think it's good. Interesting. Hopeful. And it's, an, it's a pleasant note to end on. And speaking of notes to end on. Let's end on some notes. Let's end on some notes. It's final spin time. My favorite note is uh, C sharp. It's, it's a D flat, actually. I have a lot of thoughts about this album. I, I, like you said, you really knocked off your feet right from the beginning. I think this album is a little confusing. I think sometimes those interpolations are clever and the influence is clear like on one step forward three steps back like good for you some of the influences that shine through with this pop punk thing is really great it's stellar but sometimes the music is just a little flat a little boring i don't know like you talked about on some of these songs it's it's disconnected it's disjointed like enough for you it doesn't go enough places favorite crime is a little forgettable the music doesn't always hold its own but when it's good it's pretty darn good lyrically i mean we just hammer home this concept and i don't think it's it's all bad i think she's got a ton of potential like i said i'm super excited to see what the next album and the next couple of albums bring i think this is a super solid debut album honestly one of the stronger debut albums that i've heard from almost anybody i think the production is pretty fine there's nothing too too interesting instrumentally here for me so you know the instrumental and production score would kind of take a hit from that the vibe it has enough consistency especially thematically but it's once again just you know a little little strong i think the degree of consistency that she's going for limits this record to mostly being heartbreak songs and maybe again maybe it's spot on for her in her situation and widely relatable to a lot of people but i honestly don't feel it a ton i don't connect with her experience as much on that level so i enjoy this album i think my score might be a little brutal so music i'm giving a 76 i think again lots of potential some stuff just doesn't quite get there lyrics i'm giving a 74 instruments and production giving that a 75 overall vibe it's tough it's a record i like 
I think she's a really talented songwriter and, and artist. And again, tons of stuff going on here. Record-breaking album in a lot of regards. And I'm excited to see where she goes next. As far as debut albums go, this one is a little disorienting, like we've talked about the whole time. I'm giving it a 76 for vibe. It just needs a little more time in the oven. Know what I'm saying? That gives it an overall score of 76.3. And I'm not super thrilled at the fact that it ranks at number 472. This is an album that I enjoy beyond that score. Honestly, I think it's a better album, a more enjoyable album than my score makes it out to be, if that makes sense. That's all right. I I know. I think I kind of agree with your score. Really? Awesome. Wow. No more big fights like Radiohead last week. I'm giving it a one. No. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, for me, I've said it all already pretty much. Pretty decent first album. A lot of good concepts, a lot of potential there, proof of uh, talent. But as you phrased it, it needs a little longer in the oven. It's a little under. It's a little undercooked. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you know what happens when something's undercooked? Sometimes it comes out a bit sour. I don't know how familiar you are with cooking things, but I guess for me, let's before we just talk more about my score, let's get some top three going. Do it. Get that top three going in album order. Driver's license. Ooh. Honorable mention goes to one step forward, three steps back. Interesting. Good for you. And happier. The obvious. That was the most obvious top three for me. I think that would be almost everybody's top three that listens to this album. How dare you? I didn't say it was a bad thing. It is very close to my top three, and I think the playlist picks are going to be great. I think we just happen to agree, and so you think it's obvious. The question is, though, which ones for the playlist? I would say that. take Take your pick. Hmm. I think it's got to be... Tell me what you think of this. I'm thinking driver's license and good for you. Perfect. Great. Lock and loaded. All right. That's it. They're they're the two most popular songs on the album, and they kind of highlight both spectrums of what the album gives you, right? Good for you gives you that more grungy, brutal side of the album, and driver's license gives you that more ooze section side of it, even though good for you is in the ooze section. Right. Uh, (laughs) No, I I understand what you mean, though. Enough for you and happier and one step forward, three steps back are better embodied by driver's license. As for my score, this one's going to get seven ooze sections out of ten. Ooze sections. Fantastic. A seven. I know that you said you agreed with me on the score, and your seven is equivalent to my 76. But honestly, I'm a little surprised to hear you say seven. Really? What do you think I was going to give it? I think based on how our scores are calibrated, this one would, if I were ranking on your scale, maybe be in the sixes for me. Yeah, no, I disagree with that. I think it uh, I think it's belongs solidly in the sevens. It's a solid seven. Okay. Where are you putting it? I think it's going top of the sevens. Wow. Okay. top of the sevens. That, that's high. Back to back with the bottom of the eights, her favorites, pentatonics. Yeah. It honestly gives me a decent, like, it reminds me a lot of Ladylike in terms of how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Top of the sevens. Top of the sevens for the ooze sections. And, and so it's interesting. I have one last little wrap thing for you before we end the episode. You were originally, back before the Grammys happened, had this as kind of the front runner. I thought it was going to be up there. Yeah, I do want to know how you'd rank our three Grammy albums so far. In the order I have them on there, I think. Which would be Montero, We Are, and Sour. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people like you who would rather be listening to music like this. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at Spin It Pod and on Instagram at Spin It Pod Official. Make sure, once again, to check out that giveaway that's closing on Monday for your chance to win some free one-of-a-kind personalized Spin It merch. Awesome. And you can also head to www.spinitpod.com to check out all of our episodes, 
all of our merch, the Mixtapers Lounge, all of our scores, tons of content. We'll see you next week for an album that I personally am really excited about because it's a band that I personally really love. It's a... Another bit of a birthday episode of sorts, but not for the podcast. For you. That may be. So we'll see you next week for that. In the meantime, have a fantastic week. And as always, keep spinning. spinning. Did you come up with banter this week? I never do. I always fall around the spot. Almost always. No, you said one week you planned it. One week I did. <laughs> whale hunting is also illegal in Ohio. Whale hunting? Yeah, I can't whale hunt. No, you actually can't. Even if it was legal. Unbelievable. My favorite crime is arson. Oh, Jesus. Arson's hot nowadays. What can you you say? Arson's hot nowadays. Oh, my God.